Thank you, JT and praise team. Appreciate you all so much. Good morning. It's great to get up here and see your faces. Um, I'm thankful for this opportunity. I'm humbled. Uh, anytime you get to open God's word and, and, and look at and examine what he's saying and let him speak to our hearts and then to share that, to, to preach that is, is very humbling. But I'm thankful for the opportunity. And so I'm thankful for you, my Paramount family. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, thank you for your encouragement in my life, our staff's lives. Um, just appreciate you so much. And so uh, uh, I appreciate your prayers. And uh, I just ask you to be praying for me today. And uh, thankful to get to share with you. We're going to be in Acts chapter 10. And we're going to be looking specifically at, at verses 34 through the end of the chapter. But before I go there, before we read, and I just ask you to be praying over that passage, praying this time that the Lord will just have his way. Uh, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And so we've been led so well to the throne of grace. And I'm thankful for how worship, specifically through music, prepares our hearts. And so just, Lord, I just ask you to be glorified in this time. But I want to give a little bit of backstory uh, as we come up on verse 34 in chapter 10. And uh, in my thinking, which is a scary thing sometimes, uh, in this past few weeks, as I knew I was going to have the opportunity to, to preach, uh, I've been coming to this passage, and I'm just uh, amazed and excited and uh, so encouraged by what takes place here. And so I've been thinking about uh, we must be on God's agenda. As a church, uh, first and foremost, as an individual in my life, in your life, we've got to be about God's agenda. We've got to be on his agenda. Uh, there are a lot of agendas today, amen? A lot of things going on, but the simple truth is we need, we need to be, we must be about God's agenda. And so, in the pre-story to the passage today, the Lord is at work, um, I believe, establishing his agenda in Peter's life, in Cornelius' life. So let's talk about that a little bit. Peter is at Simon Tanner's house by the sea. Uh, he's staying there. Uh, already this says a little bit about Peter, how I believe that God is starting to shape him, that he's at a Tanner's house. Anybody that worked with animals, and, and I'm thankful because Simon is a believer, uh, Peter is staying with him, but it, it tells me he's already maybe loosened up a little bit to the staunchness of, of the law because his being probably counted unclean if he's around somebody who worked with animals, around animals, so he's there. But he goes up on the roof to pray, and as he's praying, he becomes hungry. So it doesn't say, but I think he probably went down and said, hey, I'm kind of hungry. So they start fixing the meal. He goes back up, and while the meal is being prepared, Peter uh, falls into trance. He has a trance. And in this trance, a large sheet is lowered from heaven. And in this sheet is all kinds of four-legged, four-footed animals, reptiles, everything. And him being hungry, it's interesting how God's working in prayer and that physical hunger the Lord says, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. He says, never, Lord. I've, 
I've never eaten anything unclean. I don't want to touch anything unclean. I won't do it. The Lord says to him, says, don't call anything unclean that I have made clean. And this happens three times. And then the sheep goes back up into heaven. And so he begins to ponder what's taking place. Well, a day or two before, in Caesarea, we know that Peter was in Joppa. In Caesarea, you have Cornelius, who's a centurion. And he's a, a very devout man. Uh, he is respected by the Jews. He's living in Caesarea, which tells us he was either retired or he had the clout to be able to have his family and servants with him in this territory, this territory of the Jews, this city. But the Jews respected him. Uh, he was a man of faith. He prayed constantly. He gave alms. And uh, it's believed that he was on the path. He was leaning into uh, Hebrew monotheism, which is really cool. But he was praying. And an angel appeared to him. And he was like, what's going on? He says, hey, your offerings, your prayers have gone up to the Lord as a memorial. He's remembering you. And so you're to send off, send to Joppa for Simon, who's staying at Simon the Tanner's house by the sea. He will come and he'll tell you basically what you need to hear. He has the message for you. So Cornelius gets two servants and a soldier, and he, he tells them what happened. He sends them on their way. So back to Peter. Peter's contemplating that trance, what, what the Lord said to him in that time. And as he's doing that, the two servants and the soldier, they arrive at the gate. And they're saying, hey, we're looking for Simon, who's called Peter. It's, I'm he, why are you here? What's going on? And they tell him what happened to their master. And he says, okay. Another great thing about Peter that says God is working is he invites three Gentiles into Simon's home. They have a meal and they stay the night. And then they get ready and go the next day. As they travel, uh, I'm sure that the Lord was really dealing with Peter. Lord, what are you saying to me by this, this vision of this sheet? and unclean, and, and I think maybe he's already starting to piece together by the Spirit what's, what's happening. But on the way, I'm thankful that God has an opportunity to deal with him and, and continue to shape him. And he arrives at the house in Caesarea, and uh, he sees that all of Cornelius' family, friends, servants, everyone is there. And as he comes in, Cornelius is so excited to see him and thankful that he's there that, you know, the leader of the Jerusalem church would come to his house that he falls at Peter's feet. And Peter's like, hey, 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 get up. I'm, I'm a man just like you are. Why have you asked me to come? Well, we know the servants told him why, but he's asking Cornelius. He's showing respect to a Gentile saying, why have you asked me to come? And so Cornelius tells him, why he has come. The angel appeared to him, gave me this message, and he told me to send for you. And so that's why my servants went and got you, and now we're here, my family, my friends, and everyone, we want to hear what you have to say. And so that's the backstory as we come into, and I'm thinking about, think about your agenda. Think about God's agenda. Is it the same? You know, agenda is, is something that we do 
that is shaped by what we believe or what we hold to as important. And it defines our everyday. And so as we look at the passage, as we read today, let's think about God's agenda. What is he wanting to say to you? What is he wanting to shape? How is he wanting to continue to conform you to the image of his son? Let's begin in uh, chapter 10, verse 34. And I'm reading from the NIV. Then Peter began to speak. I know, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and, now he, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. I did the same thing in the first service. I forgot to tell you, when they got ready to leave from Simon the Tanner's house, Peter asked six guys, six people, six believers to go with him. Important part of the story, just a little bit, because what happens here, what happens in the house during the message, those six guys, not only Peter's eyes, but they got to see with their eyes exactly what God was doing. So just wanted to interject there, important part of the story, the six witnesses that came with him. But I want to tell you a story about agenda. This kind of applies to me. It's a story about me and the dork that I can be sometimes. We're in our previous partner city, and we're at a place called The Frame. And I'm looking at Daniel because Daniel knows what I'm talking about. So we just got inside the gate, and there's a line going around one corner of it, and there's some doors to go in right there. Well, Daniel and I went to the restroom, and uh, Garrett, Brittany, Winnie, Wendy, everybody that was there got in line, and we're up there waiting. So Daniel and I finished. We come out. We're going to the line, and we come around this corner, and I could see way up in the head of the line, Garrett and, and Wendy kind of like, we're up here, we're up here. And so as I came around that corner, there was this little clear path that I could go by. And at the base of the frame, there's concrete and then these little tiles, uh, kind of not very thick concrete tiles for, for uh, 
for draining, for drainage. And they're every two or three feet. And so, man, I start to book through this place because I'm going to get up to the front of the line where they are. And as I'm starting to run, uh, I see out in front of me one of those tiles is broken. And right as I saw that tile, I promise you, my foot snapped one of those tiles. And I went head first, and I'm turning in the air and just land on the ground. Well, there's about 80 to 100 people, uh, maybe I'm exaggerating, probably around 80, waiting to get in that door to the frame. And it's all the oxygen in the world was sucked out of the world at that point. I hit the ground. It was like, you could just hear it. And so Daniel's right behind me. Daniel comes up, and he's helping me. Thankful I have a brother to help me in my stupidity. But he's lifting me, and I turn around, and everybody's watching me. I stand right there. I'm like, I'm okay. And just went ahead and, and got in the line. And when I got up there, Wendy was like, there was some commotion back there. What was going on? I said, that was me. <laughs> So I just, I share that with you that sometimes we have an agenda. We think we know it's right. And uh, I think the Lord is slowing us down. He definitely slowed me down and said, hey, and uh, we got to kick out. I was thinking about all the security guys walk, watching that video and running it back and forth. Hey, Ahmed, come here. Running that back and forth. We got to be careful and examine and make sure that we're following God's agenda. When we run ahead of ourselves, when we're too fast, or we think we got this and we know what we're doing, things happen. And I really believe that the Lord was slowing me down for whatever reason. Uh, but I, I still, you have to laugh at yourself. But I just think about what that looked like and, and then all the air being sucked out of the world there. But I just wanted to share that. And so uh, we see this happening with Peter. And as we start the passage, I love what he says there. I now realize what God is doing. I now realize. I've had time. The messengers came. The servants came. Um, I'm inviting my friends because I think something, God's up to something big. And then he goes and he gets there and he says, hey, now, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. He accepts men from every nation, every walk of life, every social status, every economic position, whatever that may be. So how does that speak to you in your context? How does that speak to us as Paramount Baptist Church? And what does God have to continue to change that we can be on his agenda? So the first thing was we must be on God's agenda. Well, missions is God's agenda. Uh, maybe some of you have heard Piper, John Piper's quote, missions exist because worship of God doesn't. That's why there's missions. And so it's his agenda. He wants the gospel to be spread. And so I want to point out two verses during Peter's message. Verse 39, it says, we are witnesses of everything he did. And then verse 42, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Throughout this message, I, I think of those two places specifically, we have mission's mandate. We have our task, we have our purpose lined out for us. 
Peter is speaking it into the the lives of those there, even his friends that he brought with him, he's setting, the Lord through him is setting that mission's mandate. And those are two specific places I think of. And so I'm thankful. I want you to hear the perspective of two missionaries that are on the field. I'm glad that Lance and Carrie Borden, if you all would come on up. These are our IMB missionaries to Austria. They live in Vienna and have been on the field for 25, 26 years, right? Received the, the call in 97, really at that point, separately, but then you came together, right? Yeah, well, the call came, we both felt like God called us when we were teenagers. Okay, so in the, awesome, in the, yes, in the early 80s. okay, yeah. all right. And then was confirmed in 97, right? Or well, that's that was the sense. Sense. Yeah. okay. Awesome, but 25 years on the field. And thankful, and uh, it runs in the family. Emily's also yeah. on the field, right? Yeah. So great, she's in, in France. So what I wanted to do, you make sure you get to meet them. If you don't already know them, thankful that they're here for a little bit. They're getting the opportunity to, uh, in fact, today after this service, you're going to Oklahoma for a missions conference, right? God bless you guys. God use you all. They're also getting to be in churches. And uh, I know the IMB is encouraging the workers while they're home to encourage churches where maybe the... Uh, Missions is not a priority. Am I right in that? And in, or, or you know, or not that they're not aware of missions, but bringing it to the fore. You help me, help me there, Lance. Yeah, is well, there, there's a, within the Southern Baptist Convention, there's forty thousand churches or so, and maybe half of them uh, are not actually personally involved with IMB missions, like Paramount is. Mm-hmm. And so we're t- making a push to get to know these many churches that. Don't have the history and the the, the, the DNA yes. really good. in here. Good description, DNA. I like that. And so helping to cast that vision. So I I told them beforehand I wanted to ask them each a question and have them answer it in relation in context to the passage. So Lance, I'm going to start with you. And so in light of this passage, in light of uh, Peter's message. In light of the Lord really continuing to shape his heart and put him on his agenda all the more. I'm not saying he wasn't, but he's starting to show him a lot of things that the gospel is for everyone. Um, How does that inform our, your relationships and and getting to the gospel in those relationships? Yeah, well, you know, in the first service, you asked me that question and I immediately said there's at least three points in in what you said. And (laughs) I'm pretty sure they're alliterated. Uh, but I haven't figured out the alliteration yet, and now I think there's four or five points. <laughs> yeah. time to think Let's about keep it, it to three, okay? No, <laughs> there's three. But the, the one thing is that, that when he says there's no favoritism, and that's just, a, that's just a huge message that actually begins in the Old Testament, that God, his grace, the, the salvation, the gospel is for all people, all kinds of people, all nations, people on the earth, every single person on the earth. And that just really comes out strongly there in what he said. So, so for us, there is that, that's part of our call as IMB people. That's part of our agenda, is all people. Mm-hmm. And you guys participate with us in that, and you have participated with us in that from the time I was just a little bitty kid. It was being poured into me. We are a missions church. We are about all people. And so that's, that's one of the big things, is to engage all people, not just people who are like me or who, who you know, sometimes... Okay, I better not tell that story. Be too long. So, but but we don't select. We engage all people, and we don't look at them and see. Oh, this person looks like someone who might want to receive Jesus. I'll talk to them. That person doesn't. 
it's every single person. Um, and then uh, in the story, you see uh, Peter being <clears throat> challenged and confronted with his, his own thoughts, his own presuppositions, his own traditions, and being able to separate what is truly the gospel, what is truly the message that every person needs to know from some of the traditions that we have that kind of get bundled in there together. There's nothing wrong with that, except that when, when those traditions and those things that I, my preferences become gospel, then I'm preaching not the gospel, I'm pre preaching my traditions. Mm -hmm. And so God was removing that from him with the, the Jewish traditions to be pulled out. And that reminds me and us, and, and I think we're today, and when coming back to the U.S. after the last five years being gone, uh, the way the world is changing, uh, everything is changing around us so quickly. And it, what it really means is the way, the, the, the way people communicate is different. So how I share the gospel, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, right? That's, that's really good for a person who actually believes that God exists. But for a person who doesn't believe God exists, and I say God loves you, I haven't said anything to them that's understandable at all. And so I might think I'm preaching the gospel or sharing the gospel or giving a, a witness, but they're hearing absolutely nothing. It's as if I'm speaking English to a person who only speaks German. And so it's a, it's, it, this, this illustrates for us the, word, the hard work of learning to translate the gospel into the language of the hearer, of the person receiving, not change the, the message. or we, Sometimes we say contextualization, people get a little nervous, like, oh, no, you're going to leave the gospel. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking purely about the truth, the truth of God's word spoken in a way that someone will hear it and understand it with their heart and say, I want that, I need that, or I reject that. Uh, and the last thing I would say, and I'll be done after three, uh, is um, actually, oh, and I had a joke in the first moment that I forgot, because I was talking to a crowd that had more gray hair than I do, and I said, there's these weirdos out there when they call millennials and they're called Gen Z people, and we don't understand them. And that's exactly the point is there's a different style, there's different clothes, there's a different way of talking, but the gospel is the gospel. And our challenge is, how do we help all people know Jesus? And it requires me to learn to speak a, a language that may not be my own, but for the sake of the person who's around me. Mm -hmm. And for all the Gen Z people out there, you guys, you know this, you can try to learn to speak the language of the, the older people. But Peter was, gives us a good example here, and this is where Carrie and I want to learn and practice all the time, and, and we're confronted with it every day as part of our agenda as IMB people, always to be learners, always to be learning, always to be growing, always to be adjusting, because that target out there is always a new language. It's always a new context. And so we've got to be working hard our whole life long to understand what is the gospel. What is the heart of the message, and how do I help people understand that? All right, I'll try to stop now. Hey, that's great. I wish you had a lot more time, Lance. <laughs> uh, and Carrie, I want to ask you, um, I know that, like I said, you have the opportunity to go into churches and, and cast that vision and, um, you know, share that mission's mandate, uh, ele elevate the importance of importance of missions. So what are, 
a couple ways you might challenge, but I, the thing I want to ask is where does that start? And where did that start with you? And that informs what you do now. Um, well, going back to the passage, um, we see that both Peter and Cornelius were spending time with the Lord. They were praying. Um, and I found in my own life, and even in the lives of the people we disciple and share with, um, when we spend time with the Lord and fall in love with him and his word, and we're prepared to receive what his direction in everything we do, then our message is going to be powerful because the Holy Spirit is going to be working through us. Um, and I often just try to check where my affections are and where my priorities are by thinking about how I spend my time, what I'm thinking about most of the time, and what, how, yeah, and um, what was the other one? <laughs> anyway, I'm nervous. Uh, and so um, that, yeah, that just helps me to think about where my priorities are and where my affections lie. And if I'm in love with the Lord and I'm in love with Jesus and I'm receiving um, from him every day by reading his word and spending time with him, just like Peter and Cornelius were, um, then he's going to guide me to the people I need to speak with that day um, and what I need to say, how I need to say it. Um, so I think mission starts in our heart and, and our love for the Lord. Um, and thank you all so much. Take that. Appreciate it. Hey, if you haven't met them, make sure you get to meet them. All right. Thank you all for sharing. And as they return to their seat, uh, I also want to acknowledge uh, Shane Kendricks is here from the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. Shane's here to, to meet with our pastor search team today, so you'd be praying for them and Shane, thank you for the work that you do. Appreciate your investment and investment in our team. Just be praying for our team. So I want to put up on the screen, I want to talk appropriate now, our world mission offering for the year. Uh, we're going to shoot for $250,000. That's a, a lofty goal. Uh, we've done it before. I believe we can do it again. Uh, I think a big part of the mission's mandate is giving of our time, giving of our resources. Uh, I'm thankful to be a part of a church that I believe has had missions as its mandate since its inception. Uh, I commend and affirm and encourage and want to continue to encourage our church has had a great history of giving, of resources, of time, of sending people. And so we've been on God's agenda. I know right now, we're uh, without a lead pastor, but you know, we're in the way. Uh, we're following the way. And I think we need to continue to do the things that we've been doing. Uh, I'm thankful for Paramount, for you as a congregation. I believe that we have uh, come to a place where uh, we expect, uh, enjoy, if you want to say, want a depth of preaching. Amen? saturated by and in God's word. And so I say paramount way to go. And that's going to continue to happen. And that's going to give us our direction. Just like Carrie said, my life is saturated. I'm going to know the way that I need to go. I'm going to know how I need to speak and what I need to do. And so I wanted to share with you about our goal. And just ask you to be praying. How does God, uh, how would God have you to give above and beyond? Uh, how would God have you to have creative ways 
of raising support, of raising money for missions. You know, uh, Lance mentioned it. The message is the same. Uh, the message is the same. But I think ways of sharing it and how to get there and how to do it and how to uh, put it before people is changing every day. And I'm, that's why I'm thankful that God gave us gifts and there's people who are very creative and think of awesome ways. So I just ask you to be praying about that goal as we work towards it, as we raise that money. Then I want to share with you, some of you have asked, are we still going to do our partnerships? Yes, we are doing our partnerships. I'm thankful for our missions ministry team, them praying and seeking the Lord and uh, being brought together in, in confirmation with what we're doing. And that's, we're, part, we're partnering in Panama. We're, part, we're going to partner in London. We have a trip for spring break this next year, so be praying for that. And we're also partnering in Tucson, uh, namely with uh, Timbo and Robin Fowler, who are our church planters. Let me tell you just a brief story. They have been praying about being in, serving in Tucson for 20 years. And for whatever reason, that door has never, for them to actually be there and live there, that door has never opened. But they've been continually, they've served. He's planted uh, three churches and he's been pastoring the third one for 12 years. And God opened that door. And they have now moved to Tucson. And so I'm excited. They just got there early October. Pray for our team. We have a team that's leaving Wednesday morning, early, early. And we're going to head to Tucson. Nine of us are going. We appreciate your prayers. And so we're going to have two full days, Thursday and Friday, to be with Timbo and Robin. We're asking them just to give us some orientation, to pour into us. They're going to take us to sections of the city, areas of the city that we can be prayer walking, praying for specifics as they guide us, and then also maybe have the opportunity to do some surveying. So we're at, we're at ground zero uh, on this church plan. But I'm thankful because I know God has led us that way. It's been confirmed, and our mission ministries team's praying. Uh, we've got to spend some time with Timbo. Maybe some of you all met Timbo and Robin when they were here. But be praying for them as they continue to adjust and learn to live in Tucson. And we're thankful that we can come alongside and support and be there for what they're uh, being led to do right now. And so missions is God's agenda. Is missions your agenda? I pray that it is. And what does that look like? Well, then I want to come to my third point today, and I want to wrap up. But it's, I think it's just a, it's simply put, and that is give them Jesus. Give them Jesus. And I look at verse 38 of this passage, and Peter says there, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, and power, and how he, Jesus, went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Peter also talks about that Jesus was crucified, he was hung on a cross, and he died, but he rose three days later to give us victory over sin and death, and he is the name above all names that is to be worshipped. And so I want to say, keep it simple. Give them Jesus. Another translation says how he went about doing good. I love that statement. Jesus went about doing good. I think there's times where we or there are people that are just going about. You know what I'm saying? And so if it's not a God agenda, it's an agenda that's 
not of him, and so it's just going about. And so we've got to be sensitive because and discerning of how the Spirit is leading, what he is wanting to do in us, individually and corporately as a church. And so I'm just thankful for the shaping that takes place here. Uh, I'm thankful for the truth, uh, the bedrock truth that Peter was already walking in, but how God wanted to all the more culturally and what he held to, some things that he held to, change that and show that that didn't have significance in the ultimate plan. And that's getting the gospel to everyone. And so I come back and I just want to end today with verse 34 and verse 35. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. Verse 43, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Simply put, give them Jesus. You know the gospel. Share it with people. Be bold in it. And then what is God calling you to do specifically for him, in him, through him? Do it. And let's keep it simple. Go about doing good. What does that look like for you? Is there a specific ministry within the church that he's calling you to? Follow through. Step in and go for it. Is there a place in the world that he's calling you to, to serve, to do missions, to share the gospel, to develop relationships? Do it. Go for it. That's what we're about. That's how I wanted to encourage you today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I'm thankful for the way uh, JT prayed it earlier. You you were orchestrating things in Peter's life, in Cornelius' life, to bring them together so that you all more show that the gospel not just encompasses one people, but all who will believe, all men, all women, from all nations. And so, Lord, I ask today that you would speak to us individually. What does that look like for me as I am on mission for you? And then I pray for our church, Lord, corporately, Paramount Baptist. What does that look like for us? Thank you for the way you've been leading us. Thank you for our <clears throat> obedience in that. Lord, I pray that you trim away and you take away what is not of you, what is tradition, what is of culture, whatever it may be, and help us to, to stick to the basics. But then, Lord, also, Holy Spirit, that you equip us in how we can minister more efficiently to each and every person, each and every social status, for lack of a better term, uh, each and every economic status. And, Lord, people where they are on that spectrum of not knowing Christ to knowing Christ and being a, a worshiping disciple in this world. God, have your way in us. Thank you for the Bordens. Thank you for all our workers on the field. I pray for our workers here, Lord. Help us to do your work every day. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll have some pastors down front. If you have a need that you need to have prayed for, or if you have something you need to talk about, maybe you're searching today. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Peter lays it out here for us. He died on the cross for our sins. He knew no sin, but died on the cross and rose again to have victory over sin and death, to give us victory, to purchase us for 
God, what are you going to do with them? And that's a step of faith saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I know that I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I ask you to come in and save me, change me, and walk by your power to carry out God's agenda.